tuning in to Art and Business and Murals, a podcast about running a small creative business with interviews, artist stories and industry tips. I hope this podcast keeps you company on what can sometimes feel like a solo journey. So in today's episode, this is episode four, and I am talking with the zookeeper. Now, okay, I have a question. Your real name's Joel Fergie. Does anyone actually call you the zookeeper? Yeah, actually, funnily enough, that's sort of taken off a little bit. Um, a lot of my mates call me Zooey, oh, really? which is funny. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I think, like, I was so embarrassed by that name for a while, and now I'm like, yeah, it's a cool name. It's a different name. I think it's cool. Yeah. I think it's cool you've got, like, a street name. <laughs> but I feel like if I call you Joel, I feel like I'm, like, one of your family or something, like Joel. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> Uh, the thing is, it feels like anyone who calls me Joel, it's like endearing. Mm-hmm. You know, zookeepers, like, it's like this entirely different identity. So, like, you know, if someone knows me to the point where they know I'm Joel, then that's what I want. Yeah. The Joel. Yeah, I, I feel like, with, especially with most of you guys that have your street names, like Drapple and Leans and Zookeeper, all you guys, I feel special that I know your real name. So it makes me feel like I'm your friend <laughs> if I know your real name as opposed to like a fangirl if I only know your street name. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I feel that. I'm the I feel the exact same same way. Like I'm like I'm, I'm I know that person enough to call them the actual name. <laughs> <laughs> so um I have asked you to come on today um because well we're friends outside of this podcast and I feel like every time I get into a hole or I get burnout or I have any struggle or have any questions, you have always, you and Trav, Drapple, have been the two that I'm kind of like, oh, this has happened, what do I do now? Or I'm burnt out, is this normal? And you guys are always the one that's like, yes. Yeah, no, it's not like that at all because actually I remember when I was going through some stuff like four or five years ago, you were right in the mix of it. Like I was going through some like really bad anxiety and like, and depression for a little bit of time and like you were there and I think you sort of I I felt like you were a sister figure that I could chat to about it I'm not just saying that like I actually just have a little piece of my um part of that period of time like is connected to it you and an understanding of you know mental health and all of those like Aww. parts of it that are so, so complicated. I appreciate that. And you actually remind me of my brother, so that's why I hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought we better introduce, well, I thought you could introduce you. If yeah. you could tell us about your creative career, where you started and where you are now. Yeah. So uh, I'm 34 years old and I've been um, spray painting and making art since I was about 12 or 13 years old. Um, and in the last sort of decade, I've taken it on as sort of my everything. So I paint primarily murals um, in far out places, particularly throughout like central Australia and north Queensland, a lot up up north. Um, and I guess over time, like my fascination for making, you know, things out of spray paint has like grown into something entirely different. And, you know, today I think my work's a lot about going to a place and trying to get an understanding and feeling or feel for the community that I'm in um, and then trying to make a piece of art that makes them feel proud of where they live. So, yeah, I travel out to lots of different places and, yeah, do that. You're so humble in saying that. Like every time I say to someone, I'm a street artist, I paint murals, 
every time they go, oh, the silos. Do you paint the silos? And I go, no, but my friends do. <laughs> so you paint not all the silos, obviously, yeah. but you paint a fair few of the really well-renowned sil- silos, particularly one out um, just outside Gundy was, what's mm. that one? The- um, Fallon. That's yeah. it, the Fa- Fallon. Yeah, that was the first one that Trav and I did, so Drapple. Um, yeah, done done a lot of them and all well, three of them and then a bunch of water towers and stuff. Um, yeah, any big canvas, I just like, I just see it as a really great opportunity for something that might stop people in their tracks and pull them out of their little bubble. And it also provides a fantastic tourism mm. opportunity for those small towns as well, like Fallon, Fallon. Yeah. They're just, it's all about the tourism and those silos bring so many people in. Yeah, it shocked me when we first went there and did that. Like I, I knew it was a big canvas and I knew that it might be a big moment for me, but I didn't realise like what that could do for a little place. Like, I mean, that that just sounds like that makes me icky saying that. But like I remember just after we finished that sitting in the pub, um, which is like literally the only business in the town um, and chatting with this like really ochre um, young like tradie who worked at the grain depot and he he just like was a man of many um colorful words and but and he didn't seem to like be someone who ha- had a deep and meaningful in in him but he sort of sat me aside he's like man you got no idea what you guys just done for this place and i was like holy shit like i yeah like i was just wrapped up in making a big piece of artwork i didn't realize that like it could literally transform the identity of a place and I think that like really like that sunk in and I just was like okay like that's what this stuff can do like it's got a lot of power behind it yeah completely and didn't they take a photo of those silos and put them on like an Australia post stamp or something yeah yeah (laughs) which is yeah I, I don't know I don't even know what to feel about that it's just like it's obviously awesome i think most artists like would dream of having a australia post stamp but i you know didn't think that by doing that that was gonna happen you know it's just it's all just been a byproduct of a crazy experience yeah and i'm guessing like most artists you're kind of like yeah i did that thing now we've moved on to the next thing so you're not like scrapbooking all the Mm. postage stamps and all the press that's come out of it and Mm. (laughs) yeah i mean you you would relate to that feeling like you do these big murals and then you walk away from them and like you're sort of just they're behind you you're on to the next thing but like then you know people are taking photos of it they're obviously sharing it with you on instagram and places like that and you're like oh wow this thing like lives on Mm. and you don't necessarily have to put energy into like ensuring it sort of it has its own life in itself so Mm. it's cool like i mean it's got to be one of the greatest things about this form of art is that like it's just for everyone yeah and it's there forever essentially obviously Mm -hmm. after a fair amount of time it will fall apart but at least while we're doing our career it's there that's fantastic yeah i mean on that like i think the other thing about street art or anything that's out out in the public is it will eventually disappear and i think that's like kind of part of what is alluring about like street art or, or public art is that it's not a forever thing. Like it opens up opportunity for new things to take their place down the line. Yeah, definitely. So I have a question. 
at what, like, do you ever go out to a wall or a silo or a water tank and stand there in front of it before you start your job and just be like, oh, this is too big. I can't do this. Yeah, fully. Yeah. Like, cause I, I, um, like I'm not a huge fan of heights um, and I've had to like work through that. But I remember the first couple that were up that height, like 30 kind of meters. And I was just like, how am I actually going to go up there if I don't like heights? Like how am I going to paint that thing? And um, I think I often in the beginning would find excuses not to, not to do it, like to avoid taking on like a big, big challenge like that. But now like I just realized that that's like, such an empowering feeling when you when you actually get up there and and like tackle it and just get past it and obviously once you do something once or twice you're like okay well the last time I can do it again yeah so yeah but do you ever one when you're doing a job and you you you've got to go up the top finish off this thing when you come back down and get off the lift are you kind of like that's the last time I have to go up on that lift oh yeah actually funny thing is like one of the biggest ones I ever did was with Geordie from Brightsiders and we were painting this water tower and we thought we were done um and the client came along at the end was like looking at it going oh I reckon you missed a spot like up there on that that aerial on top of the tower and like that was like the hardest spot to get to and I just remember going no we didn't miss a spot that's actually like a cloud like it's meant to look like that and they're like no I think you missed the spot so like I just celebrated because I was like yeah we're done like don't have to go back up to the like depths of Mordor and um yeah sure enough like we had to go up there that one last time it was like the hard the hardest time was like going up there that last time uh Frustrating. I'm exactly the same on yeah. my jobs. Check Get it out. Last bit at the top and come down. You're like, yes, I am done yeah. on the lift. I still have about eight hours down here, but yeah. <laughs> oh my god, you want to get it out of the way. So you said you started spraying when you were like 13, 14, so mm-hmm. early teens. How do you go from? I'm guessing that spraying wasn't paid client work. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you go from spraying? Mm-hmm. Possibly legally, I don't know. Possibly legally, possibly just your your parents' back shed. I don't know. Let's not talk about Both. stuff. <laughs> um, but how do you go from that to then painting silos and getting paid well for it? Uh, just like a really long, windy road, really. <laughs> like I, I was always very competitive as a kid. Like I grew up in a family of um, lots of siblings and they were all into art. And uh, I think I just wanted to get better than them at painting. Um, and, like, that hunger has just stayed inside of me this whole ride. So whenever I've, like, if I think back to the early days of some of my f- first smaller works, um, I just wanted to go bigger because I felt like bigger allowed me more of a, more space to be able to get technical. And I love details. Like, I really love like just sitting there rendering an artwork for ages and ages. Mm-hmm. And I just realised like kind of early on that the bigger the wall, the more opportunity I had to be able to like put in those details. Um, so it was naturally I just, be, you know, became drawn to pushing myself to a, you know, a bigger scale each time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I, I guess over like probably a three or four year window when I quit my day job and was like really just trying to, trying to do the art thing that was when people just started coming to me with bigger things Mm. and it's just been a snowball that I've ridden yeah that's fantastic Mm. and so 
the big question that I have is, are you now better than all your siblings at art? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to say this. Like, I'm more scared of answering that question than anything else because I might get flogged. <laughs> okay, well, we'll skip over that question then. Um, but, you, you know, you said you're competitive. I think a lot of prolific mural artists are quite competitive because yeah. you've got to push yourself. Mm. So where do you see that being a good thing and also a bad thing? Well, I I think I'm competitive with myself. Like I don't I don't like to try and compete with others because I just think that's impossible. Like I know and I've always sort of said this that I'm never going to be the best mural painter, but I want to get better than every piece that I've done in the past. So I've just channeled that. I think it could be really um, difficult if you were competitive with others because, you know, like this world's very, very um, complicated and busy and it's very easy to get caught up in checking yourself against your peers um, and, you know, I don't think that does any good for any of us. So I just try, whenever I have that feeling, I just try and shelve it. It doesn't, doesn't serve me. Shut down Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I do that all the time. I like, I delete it off my phone. I just don't use it for ages. Yeah, I think I should mention though because I'm not an editor, and I'll be editing this podcast that we just got interrupted by Mormons. <laughs> no, they're Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, sorry, Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses. Oh, I don't know if that's the same thing, but you know. Yeah. So just if there's like clunky edit, um, it's because. We got interrupted and I'm not an editor and I'm doing my damn best. So I wanted to talk to you about um, what you think some of the challenges are about working full-time as a creative. Well, I think, oh, man, there's so many. Like there's so many great things, but I think just like at creative brains are always going um, and I think that's just like a natural part of, of being a creative is you, you're always swept up in stuff and it's really hard to know when to find time for things outside of that so you know i i think i always feel like oh have i done enough you know like and that's that's stupid because obviously like probably put way more time and energy into what we do than you know someone who works a regular job um but yeah i'd say that's probably the hardest part it's just never feeling like you've done enough or that you are enough yeah and uh any advice on how, have you figured out how to overcome that? Because I think most artists. Well, I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. Um, and I think I sort of, I reckon at the beginning of this year, I just started to really remind myself when I was feeling that way that like I'm always doing as much and as good as I can be doing. Um, and I think that's really like been a bit of a mantra for me this year. Like you've done enough, like, this time that you're not doing it is actually really important. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's like a case of just saying that until it actually feels true. I think I called you earlier this year when I had that, like, midlife crisis slash burnout slash, oh, gosh. Um, creative moment. Yeah, creative yeah. moment when I was in the down part of the roller coaster ride. Um, but I remember calling you and we had a chat for ages for about an hour. And um, the one thing that I remember, obviously there were lots of things I pulled from that conversation. But the one thing that has really stuck with me is that advice that you gave me that you are doing the best that you possibly can in this moment. And if that moment happens to be you in the fetal position in bed, you are doing the best that you can in that moment. And I think that's 
fantastic mm. advice. Yeah, I, I just think it's like that's what we're doing as creative people is like we're drawing from life experience. So like all of life is a catalyst for what you're going to make, whether it be, you know, like something that's hard to deal with or something that's inspiring and exciting. Like it's it's all part of it. And it sounds like obviously wishy-washy to say that, but it is just true. So if you're so a lot of the work that you do is those larger water towers and silos, and you that's commercial work. Mm. Do you find the time to do work for just you so that you can paint out those feelings? Yeah, I mean, I do. I, we were just talking about um, what that looks like, and so much of my time not, you know, painting big stuff um, is sort of just doing like housework and things around like, you know, I own an old property and like, I just like enjoying building stuff and um, be doing more practical, creative stuff. Um, I, I feel like that gives me the energy to then go away and put all of my heart into each of the projects I do. So I just, I've tried to, um, yeah, not get caught up in needing to make work 24 hours a day. It's mm. just, I don't actually have that desire. Yeah. So, but it, you know, as we were saying before this podcast started, that house work around the house and the building of your house is a really creative process mm. in itself. Mm. So, I think you know that could still be poking at your creative needs for sure. For sure. Like, I mean, um, you know, creative people say this all the time, but like everything can be creative. Like, you can be a creative mathematician. Like, it creativity is just like looking at things and trying to find a new way of doing them, like whatever that thing is. So like, I feel totally fulfilled by um, whatever iteration of creativity that is at the time. Yeah. Which reminds me, we were talking about this earlier before we started the podcast, but you've done sculptures as well. Mm -hmm. And that just blew my mind because the way that you were telling me you go about it is in a similar process to the way that you go about your murals. Did you mm. want to share that or is that too? No, I think it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it shocks me because, again, this is something that I've been given as an opportunity to sculptural work, like not because I necessarily picked it, but because someone just said, oh, you're an artist. Like, could you do these sculptures? And like that led to me going, oh, contemplating it. And then like, a couple of years later, I've done a few of them now and, I'm, and I've, like, it's so new to me and it's been some of the scariest things I've done, like probably more challenging than any of my bigger paintings. Um, but what I've loved about it is just, like, figuring out how to do things I don't know how to do. And um, it's taught me that there's, like, always a way to, to get to that destination. you just got to... You like you gotta fake it the whole way until you get there, really. Isn't that what a creative mm. career is? It is a saying yes to everything and figuring it out afterwards. Yeah. I reckon that's definitely true, but as my career has progressed, like it's been a bit of that, but also then like pulling back a little bit and going, Okay, well, I could do all these things, but where am I most interested and in? like where am I feeling the most satisfaction in what I'm doing and trying to push a little bit more that way, being a little bit more decisive. That's I mean, a good you can relate question. to that. No, not really. I was just thinking in my head, I wish I could be in that position. <laughs> I reckon you are. I, I think um I think that is the biggest challenge with like trying to survive commercially as an artist mm. is that you 
you can do it. Like we can, we can make this, these artworks that are, you know, giving us financial security, but there's a compromise a lot of the time in terms of like, is this representing me or is it representing the client? And um, I think as, as you go on like that, satisfaction you get from just earning a living off making art starts to wear on you mm. and you start going oh mm, like that actually sounds like a really shit job <laughs> that person doesn't represent my values and you have to start making more um important decisions for yourself and yeah at the beginning you don't have that luxury but slowly but surely like you become more clear about what you what you want to make and what your values are that's true that's true do you know off the top of your head what your values are? Definitely. I mean, they're gut feelings. I think values are sort of like, yeah, I could I, I could definitely give some key words, but for me, like, I'm analysing, like, opportunities based on my values every time. Uh, and it's usually gut feelings about something or a place or, yeah, it might be a town that maybe I know, like, ideologically might have very different values to me and, like, how do I put my own values aside to represent theirs and will that compromise me as an artist or as a person? Yeah, that's a tough situation too. And then how do you communicate that if if a town comes to you and you know that your values don't align with theirs, do you just say, no, thank you, I'm too busy? Or do you like super overquote them? Or like how do you say no? Or do you just say no? Um. Oh man, I've I've been in like some really like tossing and turning places trying to get to a place of understanding, you know, oh like is this opportunity gonna really make me look like I don't care about the environment or um maybe it's like to do with a cultural thing, like what I realize is like we act, I always can find something to connect with wherever I'm going like um and like that's the challenge actually is to find a way to represent a community that is representative of all of us like trying to find that those things that won't just connect the town but connect the people that might be traveling to it Mm. and that's like I think for a while I was really getting to a place of going oh I can't take on that because these people don't represent me but what I've realized is my my artwork's not necessarily about me all the time. It's about like trying to find common grounds, commonality um, that uplift people. And maybe it, like I've definitely had some artworks that I've made where there's been uh, pushback from maybe parts of the community or you know, really shocking pushback, like behind the scenes stuff that I can't really talk about fully, but um, I, I've seen them as like some of the most important things that I've really done in my work is like learning about those things. Do you, when you get that pushback and like, I understand you can't go into detail, but when you get that feedback and it comes in and it shocks you, do you, how do you not take that personally? I do take it personally. <laughs> no I went, answer. I went on strike once, like, cause I was like, I'm not doing this. This mm. is bullshit. Like mm. I, I, I'm not making this piece because it's lost its way. And, um, yeah, like I had to work my way back around to it. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's great that you put up the boundaries and you put your foot down and said no. 
Yeah, I think in in some of these instances, it's just been like you know the la- the loud minority saying mm. things that actually don't represent the wider people. Oh, but yeah. like it's like <laughs> oh wow, is that actually you know is that actually true? It, yeah, am I actually in a place that just is lost? You know, but doesn't that feel like the world today? in general mm. it's quite depressing it but- is but it, it, it like it is always a small minority and that gains traction and yeah you've got to find a place to sort of put that aside if you, if we can yeah how, but. yeah i haven't figured it out either if someone comes back and they were like really critical of the artwork and that's like your little artwork baby mm. and it's, it's really hard to not be mm. like oh no mm. It hurts my heart, but that's all right. We'll, I'm sure once we hit 50, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I think it's a lot easier working with other people as well, like collaborating with others to share that mm. because a lot of the time when I've had those emotional moments, like, and I get really emotional about what I'm doing, like it means a lot to me, um, having other people there with you like is the only way to get through it. Yeah. Because like in your the vacuum of your own mind, it's like, you know, how am I going to pass this? Like, how am I going to let go of that and continue doing this artwork? Yeah. Well, I think one thing I've been always been really envious of you around is the people you have around you. And, mm. you know, when I first met you, you were working with the Brightsiders, mm. which is Jordash, Jordan and yourself. Mm. And I think Jordan did a fantastic job of being the level head of the group. And sure. he just, he could kind of didn't take things as on board as much as mm. I think you and Jordash did, who are more the feeling. Mm. Did I get that right? Oh, for sure. I mean, Jord, Jordy just has so much maturity about him, but mm. he's so empathetic. Like, I think he maybe feels a lot of the extremes of what someone like me or Jordash would feel, but he just has that um, life experience to be able to, like, hold it at arm's length. Mm. And I definitely leaned on him for so long. Like, he's been such a big part of, like, me finding my own identity and yeah that the sounding board of someone like that with the wisdom is so important like you would have those those mentors but um yeah you gotta you gotta hold on to them don't you yeah we all of us the brightsiders so you jordash jordan myself um lara first all headed over to nepal a few years ago for the micro galleries festival and when we were over there, it was just mayhem's not the right word. It was more discombobulated. We were all discombobulated mm-hmm. and thrown into this hot pot of art and creativity in a space that we weren't used to. And it felt and all of us were dropping like flies with like food poisoning and <laughs> and it was just I felt like Jordan in that well, Jordy in that space was like dad mm. like he was just the level head and i was like oh my god nothing that yeah. big about it and he would be like it's okay yeah tomorrow when we're all not vomiting we'll get on to it and i'm like oh okay yeah oh, i still have like peak anxiety thinking about that trip like oh. obviously that was a really great thing but it was so hard like yeah. the stuff that we were doing um and like just for me the lack of preparation being um, mentally there in another culture, trying to talk about things like global warming in Nepal, um, was a lot. I think like, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's any surprise that we all really struggled through that. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it wasn't just us. There was, what, 25 artists mm. and all of us. Like if you look back, I was looking back on the photos the other day and we all look bewildered oh. in most of the photos, in all the lectures that we were given and all the putting together of the final art. We all look bewildered. Yeah, I think we were. It was It was. I, I've never experienced that kind of um, chaos mm. before. Like discombobulating is a nice way of putting chaos. Like we were really out of our depth in so mm. many ways and I think that was maybe the purpose of it. Yeah, completely because yeah. that's the second one that I've been on the ground for and I feel like I went through absolute mayhem on the first one in Jakarta. So the, the Nepal one I was a little bit more experienced for. Mm. Wasn't expecting to throw up for half of it, but, mm-hmm. you know, we got there. So, yeah, it's – I. Well, I came back unraveled for six months after that. Like, <laughs> we shouldn't and, laugh about it. No, but we yeah, shouldn't, I but, I, I mean, you know where I was at, but yeah. I came back from that feeling totally lost. Mm. Like, and I – honestly, like, even now I look back at that and I feel like did something happen there that, like, was uh, – was, did I was I part of some voodoo shit? Like I don't actually know, but I came back feeling so, um, and maybe I got some crazy bug that just triggered this this mental health crisis. But that experience led me to really having to work through some demons inside me. It was really crazy. Yeah, like I, yeah. I don't I don't even really have the language to like talk about where I ended up after mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, I had to really. Dig, dig deep into my inside of myself, um, and I reckon a lot of it was just like the the culture shock of being in that space and just like realizing that um, you know that we have so much and like countries like Nepal um, are just they're just yeah so so different to us and I I felt just inevitably guilty and. Um, torn a bits about where my priorities lay in life. Mm. I remember you saying to me, Woodmore, on the ground trying to put this final project together and you were saying, like, we can't just, we can't just paint a mural and fix this. Like, mm. we, can't, we can't, like, like we're artists. Like, we yeah, I just this. felt pointless. Mm. You know, I came out of it feeling like, well, like, what am I doing? Like, how can art even be a vessel for anything because like it doesn't matter it's such a luxury item at the end of the day and you go into a place like Nepal and you start trying to make these conceptual works and it's like I just felt like what are like what am I doing you know particularly when half the buildings were still being held up with stilts after the earthquake yeah. that had happened years oh, it just, like it was just yeah it, it, yeah interesting I I Nepal is such a beautiful place I need to get back there yeah. to actually see it with clear eyes um, I mean, I'd just come back from just before we went to Nepal. I'd just come back from a lap around Australia in, in my car. That's so true. I think I went from one extreme of like living on the road in a old, old, um, four wheel drive to flying through to Nepal, like within a week period. And I, it just was, yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it a and you had to paint. Not only did you do the artist residency there and come up with a collective outcome mm. which is hard to do with 20 mm. other artists you then had to paint a large wall there mm. in an alleyway with a ladder and <laughs> and like paint that we're not just like we just got the luxury of just quality gear but over here but over there it was just like do the best you can with basically nothing yeah and um yeah a lot of a lot of interesting learnings from that 
Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Let's move away from that. Yeah, yeah, trauma. yeah. Um, artist residencies, fun times. <laughs> so, how do you find more work? You finished up a silo job, you come home, mm-hmm. and how do you get more projects? I think what's just been happening from the very get go is I do one work that I'm proud of, and at least three more. Mm. Um, and I've found there's this really interesting thing that happens if I try and chase work, people get scared of me. Like it just pushes people away. And I just have realized that I just need to focus on making the work. And if I'm doing good work, usually it'll lead to another inquiry that may not be anything, but it might be something two years later. It might be like a big project that I could never have imagined. Mm. So I've had to learn to get comfortable with, um, not knowing what's on the horizon, but knowing that the horizon always has something in store. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a, a bit of blind faith, but uh, it seems to work for the last eight years since I quit my job, maybe nine years now. Yeah. Yeah. I was, as I was yeah. saying before, most of the time if I'm doing a mural, there'll be inquiries in my yeah. inbox when it's, you come back to check it. It's strange how if you're busy and you've got stuff on, more work comes. But mm-hmm. if I'm quiet... And I'm like, no, what am I going to do with myself? Like my inbox is quiet. Mm. I think it just, it's, there's this strange undercurrent of momentum that's going when you're doing work. Maybe you're, maybe you're sharing it or maybe, you know, you've, you're making work and people are seeing it and that's subtly putting things out into the ether. Yeah. Um, obviously like big artworks are in a sense like an advertisement yeah. for what you do. Um, so the more you got out there, the more billboards you got around the place and, yeah, I mean, it's a lot easier to have a work that's going to stand out out in the country where I make work than it is to do something here in the city where people have seen it. Mm. You know, like I, I've done plenty of works around, you know, around where we live and they just blend in to the myriad of other works that are out there, whereas a big water tower or silo out, out in the outback, like it's one of very, very few within a 1,000-kilometre radius. So Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's, I'm just sort of lucky that I put that energy into trying to do that kind of work and that there's been traction following. So what I hear you saying is paint giant billboards mm. rurally. Got oh, it. I've been yeah. thinking about that for ages. <laughs> I've, been, I've been thinking like there's all these abandoned billboards as you go down the highway. I'm like, I'd love to like do little shitty quirky signs like you're coming into zookeeper country or like something, <laughs> something like dumb like that and just do these really – um, corny billboards yeah. out there, like be fun. Cause I'm sure like the farmer who has it in his paddock would be like, yeah, that's, that's cool. Give me 200 bucks. I'll, yeah. I'll let you go for it. Oh, you never know. They might say, I'll give you 200 bucks. Um, yeah, yeah. That could happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. We're running businesses. <laughs> did you, did you see the campaign where Anthony Lister bought a whole bunch of bus shelter advertising and no. just put artwork in it? So yeah. Cool. That's a bit of money. Yeah. yeah so maybe. Can you tell us what you're working on now? Um, what am I working on? I'm working on my ability to surf. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. trying to get better at surfing. Um, I'm in a group show in a couple of weeks' time, so I've been working on a canvas for that. Is that the Super Ordinary? Yeah, Super Ordinary and um, Brizzy. So Super Ordinary, uh, essentially Brisbane Street Art Festival. It's their um, exhibition space in Hamilton in Brisbane. Yeah. And there's a group show going on for that. So thankfully got invited and haven't done a canvas in probably the whole year. 
So I put it there. I probably spent like five days on that last week and just going to drop it in today. Um, and then I've got two more projects for the rest of the year. One's like working at um, a school and the other is out in a town called Cobar, which is like very, very western New South Wales. Yep. So I'm going to drive out there in a week's time and start that one, which is pretty exciting. How long do you reckon you'll be out there for? Um, it's only a small wall, so I think it'll only take a week. Um, but I'm going via Thallon, which is the, oh, where the other silo is. So I might paint something under the bridge in Thallon. We've got this old train bridge that's been abandoned, train lines being pulled up. And over the last few years, whenever we drive through, we paint a local's portrait under this bridge yeah. and don't tell anyone. So we just like <laughs> camp down by the river or whatever. And yeah, I think hopefully this doesn't come out before then, but I think I'll probably go and paint another portrait of someone. I think this should come out in about three weeks. Perfect. So, Perfect. If, you're there, so if you're near Fallon, look under your bridges. <laughs> yeah, fine bridge. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So who do you think has been the biggest influence in your career? Oh, it's it's a group of, like, artists that have been on the same journey as me. There's, like, you know, there's Drapple and Geordie from Brightsiders and Steve. So I shared a studio with a lot of mural artists in Brisbane. You you would have seen it back in the day. It was Mainline. And just like that energy of people on the same journey has been really inspiring, I guess, like um, in a competitive way as well. You know, having people that we're all trying to work it out together has been, oh, how can I tackle this new challenge? And then, you know, we share mm-hmm. a lot of like our little secrets we find along the way. I think that's like, that's been the biggest inspiration is like just having a sounding board with other people going through the same kind of struggles mm. um, has been inspiring because like you're always trying to trying to like just figure out something new. Like it's so new doing this stuff. Like yeah, there's no, you know, you don't jump online and go like how to be a mural artist. Like there's there probably is information out there to work that out, but um it's been just so fun trying to like learn how to get that high or um, use a new machine or use a new like tool that's going to allow us to, to do the work quicker. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those, those few guys that I've worked with over the last decade have been. How huge. did you meet them? Was it through jugglers? Um, no, I actually met, um, I met Jordy through, so he was working for, Brisbane City Council facilitating a bunch of murals in Brisbane and we followed each other on Instagram and he just called me one day. He's like, hey, man, like, I love what you're doing. Um, I've got an opportunity to do a big mural in Wollongabba. I'm wondering if you want to do it with me. And, yeah, like, I remember just, I still remember that conversation on the phone with him just thinking, this guy is such a legend. Like, he's <laughs> like, I feel like I've known this guy for years Mm. um and yeah so we did that first mural together and it kind of like just led to us doing a heap more and then probably a year or two before i met geordie i met trav i was painting maybe the second ever mural i'd ever done so this would be about 14 years ago now um it was a soccer club in kenmore in brisbane it's painting like this really bad like really really shit um cartoony style mural Kenmore Football Club and Trav walked, drove by and he did a double check. It's like, what's that? Someone's painting a mural on my turf. And he like turns around, pulls into the car park. And this guy walks over. I'm like, 
I'm going to get bashed. I can just feel this guy's sussing me out. <laughs> and I was like, hey, how you going? And uh, he's like, oh, what are you up to? I'm painting this mural, as you can see. And he was like, oh, I'm, uh, I do that as well. And I was like, oh, who are you? And he told me, like, his graph stuff, mm. who he was there. And I was like, no way. Like, I've loved your work since I was, like, this big. Like, mm. he's like, you know, he's been a big part of the, the graffiti street art scene for a long time. And um, he uh, he told me a little while ago, he's like, man, I was so impressed with you. Like, you gave me a little business card oh. when he, when you met me. And I was like, that is so geeky. Like, <laughs> I, I think I must have been 20s. I reckon I would have been 20s. So, yeah, 14 years ago, yeah, I had my little business cards. I was called Aerosol Joel. <laughs> <laughs> business card. Aerosol. With a, like a little spray paint man with two spray cans in his hand, it just said Aerosol Joel. It's like this cartoon character of me. I kind of it, at the time I was like, I need like a Jim's mowing kind of equivalent for like spray painting. I was like, Aerosol Joel, that's cool. It is. It's, it is. It's actually, I think it's I my registered business name too. I to laugh so hard. I it's just think pretty, it's awesome. It rhymes. It does. Very smart. Very smart. <laughs> That's so cool. And yeah. then to, to be 20 and have your own business cards, like that's yeah. very business-minded. Yeah. Well, I was studying. I went and, like, did um, visual arts and graphic design at, at QT where you taught. So I was, like, already thinking about that stuff. I think, um, like, art, art degrees are kind of pointless, but it definitely pushed me to think a little bit more critically about what I was doing and, you know, how to be a little bit more business-minded or how to use illustrator and all the tools that i use today i learned how to use them back then so it's been definitely giving me a step up yeah i'm mm. surprised they're not teaching street art at qt they're teaching at qca mm. but i don't know why yeah i always wish i went to qca yeah they weren't teaching it when i was studying at qca no. it's only yeah you know, i think they've got a mural subject yeah by some of the groups yeah 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 it's pretty epic like yeah yeah i've seen some of their assessments jealous yeah, me too. Yeah. I had one of his students uh, mentoring one of his students at the moment. She just wants some extra industry mm. knowledge around mm. murals. And um, it looks fantastic. And I was oh. like, well, maybe I want to go back and study it. No, yeah. wait, that's, I'm already doing it. No, no. Yeah, I get caught up in that thought every so often about like going and studying something. And I think what it is is a temptation to like take yourself to another level. Like, mm. you know, I feel like I'm at a place where I'm just comfortable coasting and stuff. And I'm like, how do I make my life more difficult? Yeah. Why don't I study? Yeah. But, yeah, it's a dumb idea. No, I have that exact same thought all the time. I'm like, mm. I, I got asked the other day, what would you do if you didn't have, if your mortgage was paid off? Like, what would you do mm. every day? And I was like, oh, study fine art. Mm. But, like, like, what's the point? You already do it. Like, yeah. you're already thinking. On, I think what you stand to gain from studying is like someone there critically analyzing you in a, like in a healthy way. Yeah. Like you're doing, you get doing the work, but you're not getting that critical analysis. And I think that's probably what you would get out of it. You'd be really pushed to, you know, break your comfort zones and all of that. Like, yeah. Which I guess you could get in a mentorship more so, and you can mm. kind of choose your mentor. Whereas mm. when you go to uni, you might not really aspire to be like the person that's critiquing you, yeah. which is hard to take. And I don't like people telling me what to do. So. Yeah, and like all of my tutors at, at, at the time were making like contemporary works or they were performance artists or very, very contemporary and they were really pushing me not to paint because they, I think they felt like painting had been done to death. Mm. So they're really pushing me in a different direction. And 
I nearly quit two or three times. Like, took me five years to do a three-year degree because I deferred twice. I was like, this is bullshit. I came here to be an artist and my version of being an artist is painting. Mm. Um, but I think that's been, like, really important. To, you know, like I got pushed to do a little bit of video and a little bit of photography and um, some 3D work. So I can see all of that stuff finding its way into my practice now and it's because I, I think I've just had that little taste of it yeah. in that time. And so. that's a great opportunity to bring up your videos because you have videos that you put up on YouTube yeah. that are stunning. Like there are, there are like reels that artists put up of jobs that they've done, but your videos are like miniature documentaries oh, of well, the project. I, every time I watch them, I'm like, <gasps> I'm so jealous. Well, yeah, I, I've been, I had made videos since I was a kid, like as a, I was a skater and like I just make videos all day, every day we'd go out filming. So I always kind of knew how to put together a clip, but I realised with the YouTubing is like it's made me a lot better at telling a story, like trying to understand all of the, how how the artwork gets made. And I've found that way more interesting, like all, all my favourite large-scale muralists, I want to see their sketches, I want to see you know, the inspiration source, like who's this person that they're documenting? Mm. Who's this, you know, what's the place about? And I just thought like, yeah, I can do that. Like it takes a lot of time, like to edit a 10-minute video. It's like three days worth of editing. Mm. Um, but I just sort of said to myself this year, like, I'm like, just do it. Like you talked about it for so long, just do it. And once, if you get to a point where you don't like doing it anymore, don't do it anymore. So. Mm. Well, the outcome is amazing. Thank you. What what I will do is put a link to your YouTube in the notes. Don't know how to do that yet, but I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, I know so you're talking about it's not actually that amazing. I'm just documenting the journey. It's like it's not, you know, it's not A-grade stuff, but it's interesting, I guess. So I'm going to disagree because I do a lot of research on other muralists mm. and and YouTube channels around murals and I watch a lot of stuff and 90% of it, is mediocre, mm -hmm. 10% of it is your work. <laughs> and I try, like, I've tried to edit YouTube videos and I put a few up and it's, oh, my goodness, it takes every bit of energy with yeah. very little outcome. Yeah, so, and you're not, like, all these people making money off YouTube. I don't know. That's I don't think that's how it works. Like, you don't make money. Uh, yeah. No. I, like, put, like I said, three or four days' worth of effort into editing alone setting aside like filming time lapses and checking in doing like vlogging as I'm doing a project like it's exhausting and like I might get a hundred people watch it like like a hundred views I'm like yeah okay so I'm not doing it for that yeah. I just hope that in 10 years time I can look back and watch them and go that's sick I'm so glad I've got that memory because they dissolve, memories dissolve these videos, hopefully. But at least with YouTube, it doesn't get lost in a feed like it does on social media. At least mm. it's always there. So mm. it could potentially pick up momentum. Yeah, maybe one day. So if people want to see other work that you've done, how do they find you or get in touch oh, with man, you? I'm very bad at uploading projects, but I do have an Instagram underscore the zookeeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, underscore the zookeeper. Um, that's probably where most of my work is. Um, and Facebook as well, the Zookeeper Art. And what else have I got? I've got a website, joelfergie.com. I can see by the look on your face that you haven't updated that. Yeah, in a while. I yeah. do that once a year. <laughs> like no one, you know, you can you see how much traffic your website's getting. My website never gets traffic. Oh, really? I get inquiries through it occasionally, but 
yeah, I just, I just want a couple of works up there that I'm proud of that people can see so that when they Google me to see if they're, you know, that I'm legitimate, they can see it and go, okay, yeah, this, this is a real person. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that's all you really need an online present portfolio. Really. Yeah. Well, so, I'll put the links to all those up into the show you. notes. And yeah. is there anything else that you wanted to say? Any advice? Anything magical? I just want to say I really value having these convos with you. I know this is just an iteration of convos that we've had over the last couple of years, but I think um, I, you vocalise all of the, your concerns about how hard this stuff is and I don't and it's nice to actually like, you know, talk to someone who's gone through the same like trials and tribulations, like the goods and the bads and to be able to like, like oh, okay, like that's normal, like, I'm all good. I'm know. a fruit loop left Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. No, like it's just the same. It's the same with all of us. We're just yeah. going through this really like um up and down process yeah. of making art. It's like not easy and it's not hard. It's just yeah. Yeah. So And people don't really talk about how hard it is on social media or in their blogs or yeah. so it's I think it's internalized a lot. So yeah, I, I yeah. have to say the same. It's good to have someone to talk to. Mm. Oh. Okay, well, thank you again for joining us and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Art and Business and Murals podcast. Please feel free to reach out via email at podcasts at sarahscully.com or follow up the show notes on the website at sarahscully.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and fellow creatives. I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which I record this podcast, the Gubby Gubby people, and I'd like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging.